KPBS On Demand is supported by the National Conflict Resolution Center. Topics like political polarization and hybrid work policies can create workplace conflict. NCRC can help workplace leaders navigate divisive issues with the culture, communication, and conflict certificate. More at ncrconline.com. Now playing on the Parker Edison Project. Seeing how y'all three turned out, you're still the intellectual. You're still like the big brother, you know, to a lot of people. Rob, though, he's not the ladies' man. He's now the family man. That's up next on The Parker Edison Project. KPBS On Demand is supported by MaraCal Design and Remodeling, helping homeowners with their home remodeling needs. From ADUs to custom kitchen remodels and room additions, MaraCal Design and Remodeling designs and builds your dream home. Learn more at trustyourhometous.com. Hello, I'm Jennifer Wong. You are listening to the Parker Edison Project on KPBS. You're the greatest, Jennifer. (laughs) Honestly, you are. I'll put it on the very next episode. You are now tuned to the Parker Edison Project. Project. Good morning, and welcome to the Parker Edison Project. Season three is winding down, and I've said it before, we're getting into the meat of things. Records and LPs are a gorgeous way to look at life. An artist's album can double as documentation of that time period. We hear their thoughts, The mood gives a picture. It's a chunk of someone's experiences. Because of this idea, I can't just jump in in the middle of a song or an album. It won't make sense to me. It throws me off if I don't hear it from the beginning. Some of you are meeting me near the middle of my album. I want you to hear the whole thing. I want you to know me. That's a big part of this podcast. So for this episode, I want to bring you in to an important time in my life. You might not like everything you hear. That's okay. You don't have to. In fact, if you get nothing else from what you hear today, let it be this. I am not a good person. And with that said, what you're about to hear is a true story. What's your name and where are you from? My name's Rob Davies, uh, sometimes known by Rob SD, and I'm from San Diego. Where'd you get the idea to go out of state? My dad, the company he worked for, Spokane City, paid for him to move up there. So when I was 16 years old, went up there with him for a little while. The idea really came to move back out there. I was homeless. My mom kicked me out of the house and she's like, you know, what are you going to do with your life? And I knew that uh, if I could hustle in San Diego, I could definitely hustle in Spokane. I think I sold it to you, too. They were like, we're going to hustle. We're going to do this music. We're going to sell some little weed. We're going to have a good life up there. Right. And so uh, that's where the idea came from. Who went on the first trip? It was me and uh, Ab. You know, we uh, had planned of all three going. For some reason, you backed out at the very beginning mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and said you were going to come later. Me and Ab got up there and, uh, you know, thugged it out for a little bit until uh, you got up there. Where was the first spot that we all were at? Were you there for MD's house? I wasn't. Okay. I heard stories. Okay, okay, okay. So when we first got there, we stayed with uh, this real old Hyru OG from Compton. Who OG cat? Like, you know, <laughs> just like in the stories, just laid back, chill. By the time you came, we were staying with a friend of ours named, that I grew up with in high school, which I high school with for a couple of years, uh, named Shauna, Shauna Weaver. Okay. Uh, Shauna's a different cat. Like in high school, we didn't really kick it like that. She knew more of my, my best friend Todd a little bit. She knew some of the girls that I used to date. Um, it was friends with them, but we weren't like super tight until I came back and she was kind of, she was kind of into the hip hop culture at that time. Right. And you know, we, we thought we were all everything hip hop. So like, you know, we was all staying at her. She had a one bedroom spot <laughs> and we all stayed up in that spot. Yeah. Okay. Rob and I know each other from California. But the person that drives him to pick me up from the Greyhound bus station is Shauna Weaver. That means she's officially the first person I ever met in Spokane, Washington, which is crazy to me. 
because maybe she knew it at the time, but I didn't realize the impact she was making because it's been 20 years and we're still close. What's your name and where are you right now? Shauna Durant. I am in Spokane, Washington. Spokane Valley. Where were you born? Yakima, Washington. Tell me about Spokane. What's it like? Spokane is like a nice city surrounded by a lot of mountains and lakes. Beautiful, beautiful, no doubt. However, there's a lot of ignorance around here still. Uh, it's not as much racism. The Aryan Nation compound closed that was out in, in North Hayden. You don't have to feel uncomfortable going into Idaho anymore. I mean, but the ignorance came back when a certain person was in office. We won't mention any names. It's like a certain mentality came back. You see flags flying around again that kind of went away for a while. Confederate flags. It's always been that because I remember being out there. It was the 4th of July and they had a basically a part of the, the 4th of July parade was KKK members. And it was almost like the people were booing, but there was a civility between them. Like a fight didn't break. Both statements were being made. That was one of the most unique moments I've seen in life. Wait, wait, wait. Let me pull you back. Hey, where did we meet? I have known you since I was, what, seven, six, 17 years, 18 years old? We yeah. met at my apartment, Spokane Valley, Washington. You yeah. stayed with me because I was dating one of your friends, freaking Abra, back in the day. And, and I was like y'all's mama, even though all of you are older than me. <laughs> you guys couldn't take care of yourselves to save your lives. And we lived off of them. 7-Eleven nachos and hot dogs when I wasn't cooking and you stayed on the phone with Cassie. <laughs> yes. Yes. For you millennials, there was a time when phones were attached to the wall. That'll be in a whole nother episode. What was each of us like? The three of us were staying at your place. It was Rob, Abra, and me. Briefly, like, what do you... Briefly, you were the intellectual. You always had insight to everything, a different perspective. With Rob, he was just like a ladies' man. Always some other chick every different day of the week. Nope. Abra, he was just crazy. But he was a writer at the same time. He was a writer. He was a poet. But he was nuts. Probably still nuts to this day. But that'd be like the three of you. The, the intellectual, the ladies' man, and the insane poet. Seeing how y'all three turned out, out, you're still the intellectual you're still like the big brother, you know, to a lot of people. Rob, though, he's not the ladies' man. He's now the family man. And then mm -hmm. Abra, who knows what happened to him? He's out there crazy, still being crazy. I hope he's still a poet, though. You know, I hope he's still writing. Sean is mentioning a good friend of ours, but that's not his real name. I'm trying to run a unique balance between giving people their due privacy, but also telling what happened as I experienced it. That's something I hope you get from this as well. Things don't necessarily sit black and white. The duality I spoke about in the beginning of the episode is constantly at play when you're hustling. You're sitting with nothing, trying to magic trick it into something. What was the great steak and potato hustle? This is what me and you differ in memory, because you're the one that put me up on game. Um, <laughs> so we both were working at the mall. You were at Sam Goody. I was at Great Steak and Potato. And there was a dude, I forget his name exactly, but he was the assistant manager of the Great Steak and Potato. He would close the restaurant five nights a week, and he just wouldn't ring people up for four hours straight. He'd take that money and go buy a zip every night of the week, right? Every night. And then we would party every night. 
But you are the one that put me up on game. You called me up one day and was like, yo, do you know he's getting all this? I'm like, for real? And he's like, nah, come to this party. And you took me to a party. And I'm like, man, so it'd be every night. He takes still money from the restaurant, buy some weed. And he wasn't selling it. <laughs> we just gonna blow these two ounces tonight. This is what we doing. <laughs> and so yeah, we did. We went to we went to a party and that was very water. Barry Water, my player partner. <laughs> right, yeah. right. But he was Uncle Barry. Technically, he was a friend of ours, his mother's boyfriend. <laughs> he had to be close to 50 at the time. He'd have his parties in his apartment with a bunch of teenage guys and girls. We'd all go over there, smoke up. Nothing weird happened like with him or anything. It was just weird. This is the company he chose to keep. We kept him high. This mushrooms, mm-hmm. this mushrooms, this is weed, sweet, some meth, this meth. He'd do everything. He'd drink everything. He'd pass mm-hmm. out, but he buys food. Right? He'd do like, like, yo, Barry, we should really just buy this uh, acid that's coming in. Man, my homeboy got acid. He'll buy acid for the party, right? <laughs> and so we called him Uncle Barry because he hooked you up, right? Uncle Barry's going to take care of you. Right? right. The hustle for that, though, was we'd always have like a place to crash. Yeah. Whenever that party would go, it would go until like two, three in the morning and we could just crash wherever. Yeah, you party it up, you'd be the life of the party and then when you pass out, it's okay, you got a spot, right? <laughs> you got a spot. It was that for like places to sleep and entertainment at night. And then in the mall, I worked at Hot Topic, then I worked at Sam Goody, but we had the homeboy who worked at the Great Steak and Potato. I would get food for there from free because I was broke. And then I'd get Cinnabons. I remember we would have like Yo, 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 Kayla and Taryn, right? Yeah. I forgot that's where Kayla's from. That's exactly where she's from. That was such an accident, too. <laughs> Happy accident. Got a beautiful daughter out of that, but yeah. The mall was a, a, a whole life, man. That was a whole life. What's your name and where are you from? Hillary Chrisman. I am grew up in Spokane, Washington. Hillary, how did we meet? Gosh, we met through my best friend, Jessica. Had to have at least been junior year. So was it junior and senior year? I How guess. How do have been? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Tell me about Jessica. Jessica is an amazing soul. Was my best friend. We met when I was in fourth grade. We played summer softball together. Jessica and her sister Karina um, and myself and a handful of other people that you would probably remember from back then. I lived out in the country for part of that time. And so I went to a different school than her for middle school and elementary. And then I transferred in my sophomore year. Damn, I miss her. I can't believe it's almost been four years. June 20th. Wow. For the millennials, uh, who's Sam Goody? (laughs) The best music store ever that has CDs. (laughs) And maybe even cassette tapes back then. Right, right, (laughs) right. I have a lot of memories of Sam Goody. Oh my gosh, with Jessica working in there. That's where you guys met, right? That is. She sold me a tape and then she told me that they were hiring and gave me an application. That's how it happened. You know, Sam Goody helped shape some of my favorite music of my life, you know? Mm-hmm. Going through the different aisles and, and just checking out different stuff that I didn't know anything about. I got into alternative back then, like a lot of different music, jazz. What are you doing these days? These days, I am living in San Diego. I'm mm-hmm. um, a real estate salesperson as of now. Um, I used to do project management and now I sell houses and I love it. What's uh? Let's go to a break. B, we'll be right back. Let's go to a break. Stay tuned for more of the PEP. 
Hello, good listeners. My name is Adam Greenfield, and I'm the host and creator of the Written Scene Podcast. In it, I have in-depth and admittedly sometimes shallow conversations about writing with writers and artists of all kinds. We talk path, process, and what the artist's life is like, for better or worse. So subscribe and listen now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you consume podcasts. Hello, my name is Trevor and I am the uh, president of Powder LA Clothing Company. And we are known for our super soft, highest grade, fleece cotton hoodies, organic materials, and no chemicals are used. They're super comfortable. And we feel that our hoodie is one of the best out there. We can be found on social media, on Instagram at powder underscore LA, as well as powder-la.com. KPBS On Demand is supported by MaraCal Design and Remodeling, helping homeowners with their home remodeling needs. From ADUs to custom kitchen remodels and room additions, MaraCal Design and Remodeling designs and builds your dream home. Learn more at trustyourhometous.com. And now back to the PEP. So we're hearing about my first time hustling out of state. Something happened, and I skipped town. After a while, I come back. Things are a little different. Time passes. I've been in California for a, a month or two. And then I come back and you're fully upgraded. Like when we first landed out there, we was couch surfing. Sleeping with girls, have a place to stand at. Bruh. And I come back and now you're on the third story in the dough houses next yeah. to the to the Spokane yeah. Community College. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I wasn't like a drug team fan or not. I don't want to be Nino Brown or nothing. But, you know, I had graduated from, you know, selling, you know, Dimes and, and, and half gram bags. We started, uh, you know, we had a little operation going. Uh, I had a good clientele. I had some, had some Gonzaga students. <laughs> that was with us right. me. And, you know, it's kind of it kind of romanticized the business a little bit, right? Like the people I was selling to at the time, I didn't think of as junkies. And now uh, we can look back and see now. I mean, yeah, but most of the people I was selling to were either in my age range, some college kids, you know, that type of thing, right? It wasn't the life I was supposed to be doing, right? But, uh, you know, if I'm going to do it, we're going we gonna to do it right, right? And that's where we're at. This is going to sound weird, but do you remember what was happening with the grocery stores? So let's paint this picture, right? So this apartment complex we lived in, it was like two buildings that kind of face each other. There's a swimming pool in the middle. We were selling almost like, man, probably seven or eight apartments in there somebody buying from us. Mm-hmm. But one of the apartments uh, was a married couple. The wife was a fiend. Right. And so anytime she sees us, she want to hook up, she want dope, but they didn't have a lot of money. And so what she offered us was that her husband worked at the grocery store late at night. We could go in there, fill up carts of groceries, and he won't charge us for it at all. $50 worth of dope. Mm-hmm. You go in the grocery store, two, three carts filled up with whatever you want. Walk straight through the aisle. He scanned one thing and we out with groceries. Right. And so it would happen anytime they wanted dope. Like he get paid. Cool. That off week, we know that we're going to go grocery shopping because he ain't got no more money. <laughs> uh, yo, it was like Robin Hood shit because yeah. you was taking, taking orders for people, like cats oh, yeah. Mike. We fed the neighborhood, yeah. Like legit taking orders for people. Like, yo, we about to do this grocery route. You need some groceries? How, how old were you? Um, so when this first started, I was 18. So by the time we were doing that, I was between 19 and 20. <laughs> when he's talking about getting groceries... We really were pulling out three and four shopping carts and handing out bags in our complex. And we got it from a bad way. No denying that. At the same time, if you ever really been down bad, like 
didn't have top ramen to boil that week and somebody came through with a couple bags of meat and veggies, man, that does something for you. It it, it makes you feel like you can push through. Eventually, we move out, right? You remember why, though? You remember, like, how many times did we have to flush? Like, we, we had cops out the window. We got way hot. That's why I got super hot. Yeah. True. So we, we get out of there. We're back near Shaman's Blocks, out near the valley. One day, we're riding around with this young lady. She's fond of you. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's me, you, her, and her friend. We go back to their house. Yeah. Right to, to Leslie's house. And we're hanging out. It's a couple of us, a couple, couple of other guys come through, right? They're drinking tequila rose. I remember that. I never had yeah. tequila before. That's how I remember that night. That night goes out like two in the morning. That's three in the morning. Like it, it usually is just hammered. I get up the next day, whatever, whatever. And somewhere in there, uh, you got a ticket. You got a you, ticket. You was ready to go. You was ready to go. Yeah, yeah. You was trying to be out. It was Spokane was not uh it was not what it was cracked up to be, right? And uh you was ready to be out and it was time. So time to go home, man. <laughs> and that's what happened. He bought me a Greyhound ticket. I hopped on, and I can still remember what I saw looking out the window that day. It reminded me of like war movies where the guy just sits, sees the landscape passing by. And I felt that way, like completely alone. Hustling makes its own type of PTSD. And if you get in long enough, you don't come out the same. I went back to the Northwest a couple times after that. But in hindsight, I'm sure that those first trips are the ones that changed me the most. There's stuff I couldn't even talk about in this episode, but all of it combined pivoted me towards wanting to help communities after that. I did so much dirt. I felt bad. After a few years, trying to repair that damage began to feel normal. Now people come up to me all the time and say how much they like the show and how it's a a positive impact for them. And I thank them because I appreciate it. But I don't know if I ever fully feel proud of it because it's still something that comes from something bad. Still kind of feels like I'm bringing groceries to the dough houses, you know, like ill-gotten gains. We was doing we was doing extra out there, and I knew like I, I'm gonna be uh, completely transparent with you. I think I told you this before. I grew up in Southeast, right? But my mom raised and moved out of the hood and became middle class. I didn't have to choose the life I chose, so I was out there trying to be something that my mom fought years for me not to be. You know, <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? I knew I was doing wrong when we was out there doing wrong. It didn't pop off like it should have. Um, lost a great friend out of it. The friend, you know, Ab is I known him since I was five years old and. You know, it was just, uh, it didn't, it didn't crack up like it was supposed to be. And so, what are you doing these days, man? Nowadays, man, I am a full time dad, yo. Fully invested in the children, fully invested into getting some money and, uh, you know, taking care of the family. So, doing, doing more of what should have been up my alley back then, right? And so. If you get nothing else from what you hear today, let it be this I was not a good person. With that said, I'm better today and working towards being even better than that tomorrow. So when you hear me say I appreciate you listening to the show, kind of know the real reason why now. This episode is dedicated to Fawn, Gilbo, Dre, HP, Chris, Mitch, and Jessica Medlin. We're going to close the show with some move music from Bertie Bardot and the fantastic Redwoods Music Collective. This is I Get Gone. Face is a ghost I love the phone In the still the night Every new tank of gas, every fresh sun 
Thanks for stopping in. The Parker Edison Project is produced and hosted by yours truly, Parker Edison, and of course, the good people at Platform Collection. Be sure to subscribe and catch the next episode on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you have any comments or questions, visit theparkeredisonproject.com or hit us on Instagram at the P.E. Project. Chris Reyes is head of audio production. 
Lisa Jane Morissette is operations manager, and John Decker is associate general manager for content. This programming is made possible in part by the KPBS Explorer Content Fund. I love saying that because it reminds me of Sesame Street. Y'all stay safe out there. KPBS On Demand is supported by Maracal Design and Remodeling, helping homeowners with their home remodeling needs. From ADUs to custom kitchen remodels and room additions, Maracal Design and Remodeling designs and builds your dream home. Learn more at trustyourhometous.com.